0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Baseball bombs, coaching blunders, dream on decisions. Oh, there's a lot in the hopper today. Let's get this thing started. Here we go.
0: Only one place to start. So here's the pitch. Swing and there's a drive.
1: Suck to right. Back it goes. And that's a walk off shot. A walk off shot. Jordan Alvarez has done it with a three run blast in the bottom of the night. And Houston pulls. Holy cow, is exactly right. That's the only place to start here on ESPN Radio, which is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com slash greenie. Zip the smartest way to hire. We have the assembled members of the Hashtag Crew here, Bubba and Nuno in Bristol. Hembo is alongside here in New York, and we are delighted to welcome for the first time a longtime terrific Major League Baseball player and now doing analysis for us. He was on Get Up today for the first time. Todd Frazier is here. Welcome, my friend.
2: Thanks for having me, man. This I, is awesome. Well, it is a delight to
1: have you, and and I, I, I need to start with that moment. We'll go through all of the games yesterday, but I happened to. I had a lot of things going on in the afternoon. So I was sort of following the score. I mean, you know, whatever. I'm in a cab and I'm saying, oh, the Mariners are Oh, the Mariners are going to beat Houston. Ooh, isn't this interesting? And I happened to get home exactly for the ninth inning. So I sat down to watch. And th- for anyone who didn't see it or hear it here on ESPN Radio, the bottom of the ninth in Houston yesterday is one of the most dramatic half innings that I can remember seeing in the postseason in a long time. And it ends on that blast. The, the, go, the, the Mariners, who are sort of a bullpen by committee team, bring in Robbie Ray, who's a, a left-handed starter, and a very good one, to pitch to Jordan Alvarez. On the first pitch he sees, Alvarez takes a cut that I can't believe he didn't corkscrew himself into the ground. And at that moment, I'm thinking, put him on. <laughs> Just walk him at this point. Whatever you do, don't throw him another fastball. And the next thing, or I, maybe, I don't, was it a slider? You have to tell me. He threw a pitch right over the plate, and Jordan Alvarez hit it,
2: and it still hasn't come
1: down. Todd, what was your reaction to
2: that? Yeah, listen, I don't have a problem bringing in Robbie Ray, or yeah, bringing him in. I yeah. don't have a problem. He's a starter, uh, a guy who's been there before. I get it. I think that's you have when you have your team meetings. It's the first thing you do. All right, we got these four, these three to four guys. We're going to start, okay? But who's going to be in the bullpen? So put him in, bring him in for the lefties. Uh, you bring in Paul Seawald, who hasn't been there before, uh, to close out a game. That's the one thing I have a problem with. First and foremost. Um, Got the first or got Altuve to strike out, but hit the first guy and then the single comes in with two outs. Now, do you want to face Bregman or you want to face you know Jordan? So that's the biggest thing. I know you have Munoz who hasn't you know done well so far in the playoffs, but I think his stuff is electric as we talked about before. Uh, I think you got to give him that first shot, but you know coulda, shoulda, woulda. He's been hitting well, five RBIs. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's tough to top, to be honest with you. There's really. Ah, uh, and you're sitting back on an off day today. You're like, oh, no, now now, what, where do we do next And when it comes down to when we have to take our starter out? The absolute last thing
1: they needed, the Mariners, I mean, is an off day today <laughs> to stew. Hambo, take me through the numbers. I, I thought that the... Um, that was on TBS, right? That That's game right. was TBS. Yeah, they were very good. That's Brian Anderson. And uh, and, and who was doing the, the color on that game? Uh,
3: Jeff Francoeur, former he was Braves outfielder. very yes. good.
1: And and then they went back to the studio and they were talking about it. Granderson and Pedro and those guys with Ernie. And uh, the conversation, I thought it was all excellent. I was just fascinated. That is, and I don't... Really have a horse in that race, uh, particularly as far as caring who wins it. I kind of like the story of the Mariners and everything else. But that's one of the most heartbreaking losses we've seen in a playoff game in a long time. There's a way we can
3: contextualize this in case you've not seen the note. This was the second walk-off home run by a team down to their final out in the history of Major League Baseball's postseason. Do you know
1: the other one? Yeah, I mean, everyone knows the other one is Kirk Gibson, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that, that's one of the most famous moments in the history of the sport And that was in the World Series against Dennis Eckersley. And this was in the ALDS against Robbie Ray. So it's not going to be remembered the same way. But it was a hell of a dramatic moment. Holy smoke. And you want to talk about starting this thing off with a bang. They certainly did that. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach. With the easy-to-use mobile app, learn more at progressivecommercial.com. Then I settled in to watch the Yankees. And to my delight... I found that our friend Bob Costas was doing is doing that series with Ron Darling, so that's great. Um, I love Bob. I'm a huge uh, Costas it, it fan. It sounds
2: like he's in the New York City backyard talking to. He's got that voice. He's like sitting at the park talking about baseball. It's like iconic. Go ahead. He's from I'm Long sorry. Island. I mean, everyone yeah. associates him with St. Louis, mm. uh, and
1: professionally, I guess that's kind of where he grew up. But no, no doubt, he is a kid from Long Island and, and all of that. And, and so he under. What can you say? He's just tremendous. But that's not the story. The story is Garrett Cole. The Yankees needed Garrett called desperately to be good last night. And I'm watching that first inning, and I'm thinking, this is trouble. What did he need, like 24, whatever it was. He threw a 1,000 pitches to get out of that first inning and needed a huge strikeout at the end. And he had a couple of those. He got the strikeouts when he desperately needed them last night. Todd, what did you see?
2: Yeah, and I I was talking to you uh, earlier about this. I said, you know, how many off-speed pitches did he throw in that first inning? I think he threw 15 out of the 24 Mm -hmm, pitches. That's right there was nine foul balls and that's what the guardians do they they're chippy they're they're finding a way to try and put the ball in play they're not going to strike out a lot um, cole's numbers i mean you talk about numbers versus the guardians he dominates them i think it's like below like a 1.5 i was going to say era mm-hmm. and it's 1.42 and then the rest is i think is like 3.13 so we're going to have to see what he does against other teams i think they'll definitely move on but um it's 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 a delight for yankee fans to be honest with you seeing this and out of those eight strikeouts, seven were on off-speed pitches. So guess what? Fastball's good. It's very good fastball, but it's been hit. So why not change something up and see how the game goes and when the next time he starts, if the fastball's working, go back to it. It's, it's a game within the game that you have to really understand being a pitcher. I'm not sure, Greeny, that there is a
3: single player across baseball this postseason that has more pressure applied to him than Garrett Cole does. A $324 million contract who has, he has not been that good. Over the last year and a half, the Yankees bullpen is as bad as it has been in years. They don't even have all this Chapman on the roster because he didn't even show up to practice over the weekend. There is enormous pressure on Garrett Cole to deliver, and he did yesterday. In fairness to Garrett Cole, he did, but he allowed a home run to the uh, Guardians' leadoff hitter that has almost no power. That's going to be his bugaboo against uh, uh, the potentially the Astros. In the championship series, that is going to be the single biggest factor in determining whether or not he can live up to that contract
2: or not. And and I think the second biggest factor is him having to go longer. Mm. I I think he can, and I think he should. And that's what that first inning—he could have got out of there throwing less pitches, nine foul balls, twenty-four pitches. You know, getting hitting your spots. I think that's the big. If you're throwing that fastball. As we saw yesterday, Ryan Reagan of that home run was center cut. You got to be able to hit your spots and actually get a couple calls. And Jose Trevino is one of the best catchers in the league of getting strikes that are called balls that are get or that are called strikes. So less pitches, more innings. I think that's going to go well because with a bullpen that's young, that doesn't have that many veteran guys. And, uh, You know, nerves is going to be a big part as well. That voice you hear belongs to Todd Frazier, who's now our baseball analyst and doing a terrific job with us this morning
1: on Get Up and is here breaking all of this down. You know, the Yankee fans will certainly remember Terry Francona, all those years when he was with the Red Sox, that was always, that's why those games always took five hours <laughs> to play because they, they're just, they're going to keep fouling pitches off and they're going to try and get, they're going to try and force you mm-hmm. to go to your bullpen and then they're going to try and beat you there. And so the, if that's a weakness of the Yankees, maybe the Guardians just aren't good enough to exploit that, right? I mean, th- th- that will be their Achilles heel. Again, I don't want to try and put the Yankees through this thing. They got a long, they have got two more games to win. But that still is their Achilles heel if they continue.
3: Cleveland beat the Rays in a best-of-three series in two games by scoring three runs. Right. They scored one run yesterday. They have yet to score a run in the postseason without the use of a home run. Like, this lineup is not good. They're the worst lineup remaining in the postseason. So if Garrett Cole can't shove against these guys, he's not yeah. going to perform well. So. I think what we'll really start caring about is as we spin this thing forward. Should they advance? Of course, they have to deal with Shane Bieber though in yeah. Game Two. I think that's obviously the biggest factor. Todd, right?
1: we love yeah. when Hembo uses that kind of baseball terminology. He played. Where did you play again? Uh, Cedarville University. Yeah, Ooh. he played a fine he, Division but, Two program right. in Ohio. <laughs> okay, half an hour from Dayton. What's the mascot's name? The
3: the Yellow Jackets.
1: Okay, all right. So he grew up playing. I'm uh, <laughs> the all-time
3: walks leader in the history of the uh, the school. So.
1: Uh, but but <laughs> OBP, o- let's mm-hmm. go. M- meaning as a pitcher or no? as, as a so, so, but, but Hambo uses the, Hambo uh, uses terms like, well, he threw him a wrinkle, yeah, and okay. he shoved, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and he just a lot of, like, inside lingo to make himself sound like, a, really, like, one of the guys, yeah, that right. we
2: all love. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, the Punch and Judy uh, hitter at the top you of the gotta, at, There you go, Punch mm-hmm. and Judy. You, you gotta act like you've been there before, and I, yeah. I respect it. I give him respect to that. Yeah, that, well, that makes one of us, but anyway, that's <laughs>
1: neither here nor there. The, the National League story uh, yesterday was uh, a, a little bit, okay, let's go to the Phillies. I'm sorry, the Phillies. That wasn't predictable. Um, the Phillies, who looked really good. That's another one. Hambo is from Philly, and he's a. You're going to be there this weekend, right? You're going. I'm to going the on game, uh, game three on Friday. Cannot wait. So he's all excited to go see his Phillies. They take game one from the Braves. Um, you know that felt like it mattered. What 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 is your sense of yeah. the level of trouble the champs are in?
2: I I, thought, I think they're in some trouble, to be honest with you. They're hitting on all cylinders. The Phillies batters are coming through. Uh, Nick Castellanos, I mean, three for five, and he made a huge diving catch in that ninth inning. The bullpen. We talk about the Phillies' bullpen all the time. Are they going to step up? They gave up four runs, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, thank God they had the lead. They're up, what, <laughs> seven? What was it? Seven, it was to, seven to three seven seven to in the three ninth inning, Going yeah. into the ninth inning. Um, Zach Eflin came in, gave up a couple runs. So he used to be a starter as well. So they're trying to mix and match. Um, my man, Tom, Robbie Thompson over there, I love him to death. He was with the Yankees as well. He was uh the assistant coach. Um, But they got right going tonight uh, against Wheeler, who's a also a dominant pitcher. He's he's very, very good. Um, Who's going to step up? I mean, it doesn't seem like home field advantage is playing a big part in mm. some of these games. But, um, yeah, the Phillies, they're coming on strong, man. They look really, really good.
3: Nothing surprised me more uh, yesterday than the Phillies winning. The Phillies threw their number three starter against – the uh, Braves ace who closed out the World Series last year and the Phillies have the two best pitchers in the series Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola in the chamber for games two and three I'm not sure that any team is better positioned moving forward in this thing than the Phillies are I guess we don't we always talk about now that the bullpens matter more than anything else in the postseason but the Phillies have two starters right now that are among the five best pitchers on the planet and can get you 21 outs in any given day they got a real shot to upset the defending champs in this thing
1: a reminder the road to the World Series goes through us ESPN Radio catch all the postseason action presented by AutoZone on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And, of course, the road to the World Series goes through. The Dodgers will save the best team for last. Um, they win game one. They look awfully good. Let me ask you this. If they don't win the World Series, what
2: will the reason have been? What is it that is going to beat them if they don't get it done, Todd? I'd have to say pitching because they got the hitters. I mean, they're going to hit. I, was it a, a dominant game by the hitters yesterday? Yeah, in the first couple innings. And then they kind of cruised their way through. But – I would say they're just going to keep hitting. They got guys from one to nine who, all right, we got to face this guy. All right, we got to face, you know, whether it's Will Lux or, uh, Mookie Betts coming to the top of the order. And then you got, you know, Freddie Freeman right behind him. I mean, the, the Turners, uh, you know, it's one after another. You know, Louisa Lu- Arias pitched well yesterday. I'll give him credit. Is Kershaw going to come up big coming up here? Is it gonna be the Kershaw old or is it not? So we'll see what happens there, Hemba.
1: Is that is that the question at the obviously Kershaw's postseason history has been spotty.
3: That's I mean, Clayton Kershaw is the best regular season pitcher of the last 100 years. He is the only starting pitcher in the live ball era with a sub two and a half ERA. And yet in the postseason, his ERA is 4.19. He has some of the most famous blow up games in history. And the only year they won the championship was 2020. We can all talk about whether or not how legitimate it was with them playing in the bubble and all those things. But he did win the championship and we know that was enormous relief. But the body of work
1: says that he might not outdo a U Darvish tonight. That's for sure. All right, we'll see. So the uh, NLDSs continue to... Tonight, the American League series have a day off, um, and and I, I can just tell you because I live in New York, the weather for Thursday for tomorrow is supposed to be bad. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work out for them trying to get in game two, but we will find out when we get there. Todd, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for being here today. I hope we can continue to do it. No doubt. Thank you, man. Mm-hmm. It was good, a blast. Good to have him here. All right, you know, there are so many podcasts out right now. It takes a team of people to bring them together. Whether you're hiring for a podcast or for your growing business, one place makes it easy, and that is ZipRecruiter. And now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash greenie. Uh, as we continue, my NFL takes will include one head coach, who said something he cannot possibly unsay, no matter how hard he is now trying. That and more as we roll on. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgrainger.com or just stop by. Must be
0: 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: Greenies Takes. All right, so the best way for us to sort of run through a bunch of different football today will be for Hembo to present to me. What Hembo, his primary job here is that he's a content producer on GetUp. And so he threw a bunch of questions at Jeff Saturday and Dominic Foxworth and Chris Canty and Kimberly Martin to put together Get Up, and now he will throw those questions to me, and I'll tell you what the right answers to them actually are. What is the first question you asked that group today? which
3: head coaching job should Sean Payton hold out
1: for? See, that's a really interesting one. So everyone has associated him with the Cowboys, but I think that Mike McCarthy is coaching his way into staying there, and if he doesn't, I think that if they do decide to make a change, it'll be because they feel they need to keep Dan Quinn Mm. there – Because he's been so good. So I'm not even sure if that job is going to be available to Sean, if that's the one he decides he wants. Do you have any interest in Carolina? I don't think I do. I don't know what the future looks like there. If I'm Sean at his age and his stage of life, I'm looking for a really good quarterback that I can go coach. The obvious answer there is Justin Herbert, whose coach is, I mean, I, I don't mean this to be quite as harsh as it sounds, But, I mean, sometimes it feels like he's trying to lose these games. And and please don't get me wrong. I'm not making an accusation that he's tanking or that he's, you know, betting against his team or anything. But I'm saying he's doing the dumbest things I've seen a coach do in the NFL in a really long time. If If that kick in Cleveland this weekend was good, and I'm the owner, I'm not letting my coach on the plane back to L.A. So... Justin Herbert, I think, has superstar written all over him. I think he is being held back by the coaching. So that definitely would be my answer. That, I think, is where Sean should be looking. What's next? Who is the best rookie in the
3: NFL at any position?
1: Here's my favorite thing about this question. It's one of two Jets. (laughs) It is either Sauce Gardner or it's Brees Hall. I'm not sure which one I would say. I'm looking over at Brandon who is uh, my stage manager extraordinaire and has uh, is as big a Jet fan as I am. And he's telling me sauce. I think I would say sauce. I think Sauce Gardner is, he plays a more valuable position. Uh, Breeze Hall has been so good. I mean, he, he was magnificent this week. He is a running back who, if they drafted running backs in the first round in the NFL, he would have been a first-round pick this year. He's lightning fast. He, he's had some... Uh, problems catching the football in the early weeks but he caught the hell out of the ball this past sunday and made every big play the jets offense had He's great there was a moment in time when i would have said garrett wilson was the answer to this question <laughs> uh and and so now, but now i think it is sauce gardner so the good news is i'm choosing between three people and they're all jets so i can't think of better news than that so i'll go sauce gardner and i will say so almost through tears of joy
3: next. Who would you rather have for the next 10 years? Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? So the answer
1: is Mahomes with a caveat. The reason I say that and I have been saying this for several weeks, Josh Allen gets hit too much. I know he's big, but I'm old enough to remember a time when I was hosting a show called Mike and Mike and Cam Newton was the MVP of the league And he was getting hit every single week a million times. And I kept bringing it up. And I kept having guys saying to me, Oh, no, Green, you don't understand. He's built different. He's so big. They can't hurt him. Where is he? He's like 32 and his career is over. Because he just can't get hit that much. Josh Allen might be even bigger than Cam Newton. But you know what he's not? He's not indestructible. So I love Josh Allen. If you were to tell me, that I was going to get 10 years of a fully healthy Josh Allen, this would be a toss-up. So because I'm not at all confident in that, that swings it to Mahomes. Does that make sense? Is that a reasonable answer? It does,
3: but if I changed the question from 10 years to 5 years, would your answer be different?
1: No, because this could happen to Allen next week. I mean... That's a game this past week. I'm watching them play the Steelers, and they're beating the hell out of the Steelers, and they're calling designed quarterback runs in the third quarter. What the hell are they doing? Don't get that man hit. His right arm is more valuable than his feet. You're not going to win the Super Bowl this year because he runs so well. You're going to win the Super Bowl this year because of his connections with Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis and all the rest of it. His running with the football is an extraordinarily valuable weapon. Don't get me wrong. I'm not selling it short, but that can't be what you major in. If you major in quarterback run, you know what you don't do? You don't graduate with honors. You wind up falling short somewhere. And so, no, it's Mahomes. Because I, he doesn't get hit. Watch Mahomes game. He never gets hit. So I would take Mahomes for that reason. All right, one more. I really like this question. Who
3: is likelier to be the Week 1 starter for their current team next season?
1: Daniel Jones or Carson Wentz? Okay, so let's lose the music here, Bubs, and let's dive into this one because I want to talk about both of these guys because I think both of these are interesting stories. My tease into this uh, segment was that one coach said something he cannot unsay, no matter how hard he's trying. That's Ron Rivera in Washington with the stuff he said about Carson Wentz. I'll deal with that second. Let's deal with the first part first. Because, Nuno, I'm going to ask you a question, because you are a Giant fan, and we have a ton of them who work on the staff of Get Up, And so this is a, a conversation that we've been having off the air um, a lot amongst the GetUp uh, staff, and we brought it on the air a little bit today. What the Giants are doing, I, I think there was a fairly well-accepted conventional wisdom, Nuno, before this season began and into the first week two weeks, three weeks, that there was no way Daniel Jones was going to remain the quarterback of the Giants almost no matter what happened. Well, now that almost feels like it is sort of happening. Brian Dayball is doing such a good job coaching up this player who is limited but has a skill set. Saquon Barkley's playing out of his mind and they're sitting there at four and one. Now, I have no idea. This thing could crash and burn starting this week and, and then this conversation changes. But this moment... My question to you becomes, has your perspective on whether or not they should re-sign Saquon and maybe franchise Jones, has your perspective as a fan of the team changed? Well,
0: here's the thing. I don't think you have to franchise Jones because, let's be honest, what would his value be out in the open market for other teams? So I don't think you have to do that. I think you could possibly get Jones to come back on a – Two-year deal, something manageable versus what you know. What that franchise tag is going to be. Um, I still need to see more out of it. I, you know, I'm happy where we're at, but here's the issue: after this game, they actually have winnable games. So if things go wrong after you're playing, when you're playing the Jags and Seahawks and Texans and Lions, that's going like that's where my concern is going to be. Let me see him play well in those situations. Well, so. When you say go wrong, I mean, like he can go back to being. Uh, I know there's the notion of he turns the ball over, and actually the last I think year and a half it hasn't been as bad as it would. But like let's say he starts turning the ball over, he right. starts fumbling, you know that type of thing. Like that's where if that go, if he's the reason they lose these games, these. Games that they should win are like, and some of them might actually be favorites. In if he's the reason they lose those games, all doubt is out the window that he yeah. doesn't come back.
1: Of course, of course. So if if every, if he turns into a pumpkin, for for lack of a better way of putting it, then of course that question ends. I guess my point is, if they keep winning the way they're winning, let's say this team sneaks into the playoffs at you know nine and eight or ten and seven or something, which at this moment you have to say feels like a real possibility and they continue to do it by him using his legs and Saquon being awesome and everything else. It's going to be very, I think it will be hard to just decide, well, we're abandoning ship. But there is also a part of me that thinks if Brian Dayball can do that with this, then what might he be able to do with someone who just has more talent? I, it's a complicated... Sometimes good things create interesting problems, and that, I think, is what this is.
3: This is the definition of a good problem to have. Your young quarterback and young running back are both having career seasons concurrently. And the fact that you don't have any financial commitment to them in the future is also a good thing because it provides you enormous flexibility. Here's the one thing I do know. There is no chance I'm giving Saquon Barkley a massive long-term contract. This is an oft-injured player who's, come, who's having the best year of his career to date. To me, this is what the definition. This is the definition of the player for whom you use the franchise tag. And if Daniel Jones walks out that door, do you know what I know from watching Daniel Jones play five games under Brian Dayball? That some other replacement level starter can take me to the playoffs. That's how good I think Brian Dayball is. Yeah,
1: there'll be people available. I I don't know who exactly they'll be. Maybe one of them will be Carson Wentz. Let's work our way to him. As I remind you that you can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr Pepper Call-In Line, ESPN Nation's presented by Dr Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr Pepper. That's the one that fans deserve. Carson went. Let me make it clear. I don't know him at all. I met him a combined total of one time. After his, what was the year that everyone loved him? Was it his first year, his second year, whatever year it was everyone? Not not after they won the Super Bowl. Before that. The year before was his, was his rookie year. Okay. We, we met him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, exactly right. He came down and did Mike and Mike. You know, we would go do our shows from the Super Bowl. And, and, you know, if you ever listen to Super Bowl radio, you know, they bring in all these guests and they're selling, you know, Gatorade or whatever it is they're selling. And he was one of those people. And I talked to him for 10 minutes and I have. So I don't know the first thing about him, but it is astonishing to me. The things that continue to follow him. So for those of you who did not see what happened here this week, the commanders who've been in a bunch, they've been in what feels like almost every game they've played this year and managed to lose all but one of them. Uh, the coach, Ron Rivera, was asked, what is the difference between his team and the other NFC East teams? I actually have it with the question. Listen to what he said.
0: Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead
1: at this point? Quarterback. <gasps> Quarterback. <laughs> Why are they better? Quarterback. What? What did you just say? I've known Ron Rivera for 30-something years. He He was a linebacker on the Bears when I covered them in the 80s. Ron Rivera is a super smart guy who's been around every block 10 times. And now it feels like he's kind of trying to put that genie back in the bottle or the toothpaste back in the tube or whatever it is, apologizing for that comment. At the
0: end of the day, I I spoke to my team this morning. You know, I basically told them that I said some things that were misconstrued. I didn't present it properly, and that's on me. So I took accountability, told the guys that, uh, you know, I should know better, and uh, I had a bad day. So I figured, you know, I'm feeling better today. Let's move forward.
1: Good for him. I mean, that's, that's the right thing. Uh, it is a pleasure to hear. Uh, Ron Rivera is one of the best guys you will ever meet, parenthetically. It doesn't mean he doesn't make mistakes. And in this case, I think he made a huge one. But Ron Rivera is an excellent man and a very good football coach. But you can't unsay that. Like, you can apologize to the team and you, whatever, you can do whatever you want. You can't unsay that. So what fascinates me here is the way this keeps going. And, and Hembo, I will give you credit because you were sort of the first one who was onto it. There were a lot of bad quarterbacks out there. Carson Wentz may just be one of them. But this is well beyond that. In Philly, they obviously hated him. In Indianapolis, they hated him. The owner would have done anything to get rid of him and almost fired the coach because he recommended bringing him there. And now, after five games in Washington, the coach there says the difference between my team and all these others is the quarterback what is it about th- Carson
3: Wentz? <laughs> and one of those teams is quarterbacked by Cooper Rush. That's right. Right now.
1: Cooper Rush, Daniel Jones, and Jalen Hurts. Before the season began, of, out of that group, you would have said Carson Wentz probably was the most accomplished <laughs> in the NFL. This is remarkable. Look, I, I think I think Ron
3: said the right thing. The next day when he thought about it, although definitely nothing was misconstrued, this is crazy. There are much worse players in the NFL than Carson Wentz. And honestly, there are much worse people in the NFL than Carson Wentz. But I have never heard repeatedly people in positions of authority say things on the record about a player that are this damning. I went back and checked uh, once Carson Wentz left Indianapolis. This is what uh, Jim Ursay had to say. I think the worst thing you can do is have a mistake. And try to keep living with it going forward. For us, it was something we had to move away from as a franchise. It was very obvious. They didn't go from Carson Wentz to Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan's practically retired. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm afraid that Carson Wentz might get Ron Rivera fired. It is ast- Carson Wentz did not speak to Doug Peterson for the last two and a half months of his Eagles career. This is something that has now followed a player. For three franchises, there's just something about him, something that we can't see, that just sort of cripples every franchise he's with.
1: Like, it's the opposite of the Midas touch, whatever that might be. it's right. This, at some point, it's you, right? When this stuff just follows you everywhere you go. It's one thing, oh, it's them, it's them, it's them. The Eagles, let's put it this way. Over the last whatever, however many years it is, the Eagles have been great at all times. Except when he was their quarterback, right? (laughs) They were phenomenal. They win the Super Bowl with Adam. Then he comes back. They're sort of up and down with him. Then he gets hurt again. Then Nick Foles almost went. If Alshon Jeffrey catches a ball, they might win another Super Bowl Mm -hmm. with him. Then Wentz comes back, tears the team apart with whatever was going on. They fall apart completely. Jalen Hurst steps in. And um, they're a Super Bowl favorite now. So at some point, it's you. And it's him. And he wrecked the Colts, (laughs) as it turns out. And I completely forgot an entire team. (laughs) (laughs) So I I, I don't know what to say. I mean, this is, it is a bizarre set of circumstances. But the point is, Ron Rivera said what he meant. He can try and take it back now, but he said what he meant. All right, coming up, uh, I did not get to uh, the situation with Draymond Green, but I, I think we have one of the most interesting dynamics that we've ever had, well, at least that we've had recently in sports.
0: Again, try Jet's signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI
1: You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Uh, I hadn't done one in a little while, and uh, that was my bad, And but it is up today. And today's question of the day, which you can find and vote on the poll at ESPN Greeny on Twitter, is... In the AFC, which city does the road to the Super Bowl go through this year? Who you got, Buffalo or Kansas City? Again, they play each other this Sunday. Bubba, what's the right answer? Which city does the road to the Super Bowl go through in the AFC this season? Bubbs i'm gonna
2: go with
1: kansas city i'm sticking with the chiefs okay and it has gone through there geographically each of the last four seasons they've been at home Uh, that may be one of the reasons the bills can't beat them because they keep having to go there we'll see if sunday tilts that Nuno, what's the right answer in which city does the road go through to the super Bowl in the afc this year
0: I mean, the right answer is it's going to go through MetLife and that juggernauts that are the J-E-T-S. Mm. Right? Whoa. What a
1: troll Whoa. job. Um, I love that.
0: But it, I think it's going to go through Buffalo.
1: How about you? Buffalo
3: is better than Kansas City. I, I, I understand, giving Casey the respect from having done it so many years, but Buffalo is a juggernaut. They're going to win 14 or 15
1: games and I think roll through the playoffs. Cast a vote right now uh, on Twitter, at ESPN Greeny. We'll see what you think. In the meantime... Here's a headline. I call it a scoop. The scoop. Draymond Green is going to rejoin the Golden State Warriors tomorrow. Coach Steve Kerr said that Green was fined but not suspended for his altercation last week with teammate Jordan Poole. Kerr said Green will play in the team's final preseason game on Friday against the Nuggets and will be available on opening night Tuesday against the Lakers. He then said, quote, This is the biggest crisis that we've had since I've been the coach here. It's really serious stuff. We're not perfect, but we're going to lean on the experience that we have together and trust that this is the best decision for our team. We have a lot of work to do, all of us. Now, it's worth reminding everyone of a couple of things. One, in case you're not immediately familiar with why this is happening, Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in the face at practice last week, and the video somehow wound up on TMZ, so the whole world has seen it. Draymond took a little leave of absence from the team. Many speculated, will they trade him? To this point, they have not, and according to Steve Kerr, it doesn't sound like they're planning to. Jalen Rose, sitting next to me on NBA Countdown last week, said, that relationship will never be okay. After Draymond Green punches him in the face, that relationship will never be okay. Okay. I do feel a need to remind everyone, if anyone knows what this is like, it's Steve Kerr, who was famously punched in the face in practice by Michael Jordan during his playing days. And not only did they continue to play together, but they thrived together. In fact, it is by many remembered almost romantically as the moment that, you know, Steve Kerr stood up to Michael and Michael developed his respect for him and all the rest of that. So put that all into the stew. But it really does set up a fascinating little dynamic of how that's going to go. And the question is just imagine being in a situation. Remember Draymond and KD had their thing. They had their yelling at each other stuff. I mean, Draymond is obviously a combustible person. I I have great respect for the player that Draymond has made himself into. Um, But he is a combustible person and he's had some super high profile, really bad moments none of them more significant of course than getting himself suspended for a game in the finals that probably cost his team a championship in 20 whatever year that was 16 whatever year it was that LeBron's team beat him the Cleveland this is for you year. if Draymond Green plays game five of that series whilst I can't prove it I would bet you everything I have that the Warriors win that series in game five and it was over and then KD never comes there and all the rest of it that was the 73 win team so there was that and then there was his very publicized blow up with KD in which he apparently said to KD, "Hey, we were good without you. We don't need you." And if you're KD, I I don't want to hear that and I can't imagine that he did either. And so now whatever it is that precipitated this thing between him and Jordan Poole, not only did he punch Jordan Poole in the face, but the entire world has now and this is through no fault of theirs. I still don't know how that... Do we know how that video got out? I know the Warriors were very upset about it, Mm -hmm. and understandably so, but somehow that video has now been seen by anyone who's interested to see it, and so I think that does add to it. That's the image everybody has here. So what is your best guess? Can they coexist?
3: Yes, I think if there is any franchise that can recover from this, it is the Warriors, and chemistry has been like the bedrock, a foundation of their success over the last several years. But I'm not sure that this is proof positive that he's staying. This could very well be the Warriors feigning stability in order to ensure that his value stays super high because if
1: everyone knows around the league that they want to trade him, that would obviously depreciate his value. That's right. I, I, I do not. I completely agree. I do not think this means he's not getting traded. I think it means he might not get traded. Some of it might depend on how things go from here. Stephen A has brought up the Lakers. I don't know if Draymond is the answer for the questions the Lakers have anyway, but this is a situation to watch closely. We haven't seen something this, we never saw video of Michael punching Steve Kerr. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday
0: morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also
2: catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.